G'day Legends Legendaries, welcome to another episode of Generation Get To It, a sugar hit of positivity and health for you to get the most out of yourself to inspire this generation and the next. One super amazing thing that you can do before we start the show is go and subscribe or leave a review. We're making some serious numbers in the old podcast stats at the moment and I'm so amazingly grateful and stoked about the whole idea. And on that note, about 20% of the people that listen to the show are subscribed. And although I don't like to play the numbers game, and I deeply appreciate every single one of you that listens to the show, Spotify doesn't like it. Spotify loves numbers. They don't care too much about the compassionate side of things. So that's just how this, this is going. So please subscribe, leave a review. It will help me massively, and it will help me achieve the goals of getting some more amazing guests on, different guests, bigger guests, making some serious change in this world. And I'd love for you guys to be along the journey, just knowing that you subscribed and left a review. Thank you. So today on the episode, we have the amazing Alex Parfit. Alex Parfit is from the UK, so don't hold it against him. He is an amazing physio that I've worked shoulder to shoulder with. He's spent time working with the top athletes in England. He's also spent a lot of time working on himself, doing a lot of endurance events. Now, Alex's specialty is actually longevity. And I believe a lot of it comes from a great story he tells from when he's about 18, where he went through a series of injuries and issues which caused him a lot of strain. And from that, he's actually learned to become the incredible physio that he is with strong passion and a genuinely great attitude to life. He's, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. And don't take it from me. Listen to the episode. Learn what you can, as much as you can, and you will not regret it. So here's Alex, endurance runner, physio, and all-around great bright bloke. <coughs> Results that you'll get. Um, and I think that that's a lot down to the literature around nutrition, as we both know, is very <laughs> um, up and down, inconsistent. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Exercise is like much easier to to control. And yeah, I saw that you uploaded um, a segment from his interview with Dr. Rangan Chatterjee about like VO2 max. So yeah, I, I, the exercise is obviously a huge area of interest of mine and the fact that Peter Atia says that it's the area that you can get the most benefit from that's where I've kind of concentrated my efforts um at, like currently and obviously in clinic I see lots of um speak to lots of people about exercise all the time so yeah that's kind of the area that I know the most about yeah let's let's go more into that then so when you go talking about like biggest bang for your buck, I think it was really interesting to see that that study that you we spoke about. Um, sorry, that you just mentioned then that I saw on Instagram the other day, which was what your VO two max now is obviously going to diminish over time. There's a pretty good, uh, gives you a pretty good understanding of what how much it diminishes over time and what you can do now to actually influence your future, so it's not as you know, restricted and and not as physically abled, because I think I was saying something along the lines of like, if you can run your local park run, which is a five k, in thirty minutes, so six minutes a k, then you know, at the age of like forty or fifty, then by the time you're seventy, like you can only walk up a hill at like three miles per hour something, which is not that steep and not that fast. <laughs> um, so it makes it pretty significant change over time and like i said there's like so many different factors which 
can go into making sure that you know you, you stay as young as possible and are able to uh, have like the, the biggest difference in your life in the long term but yeah it seems to me like physical activity is something which a lot of people neglected over a long time but definitely moved back into the realm of focusing more on it um specifically you know when it comes to versus nutrition and, and all that kind of stuff so yeah so it's interesting so when did you start getting more into the longevity stuff because previously you're very much into performance yeah uh well <clears throat> i think that it changed it changed and again caught a significant interest in it was after the pandemic so prior to the pandemic had worked in professional sport for a bit and then we worked together at really kind of like a sports performance clinic in London and then um, after the pandemic I ended up getting a new job working in a different physio clinic in Wimbledon and the clientele of the clinic was quite different um, it was an older population and the clinic was physio based, but also very heavily Pilates based. And what really sparked my interest in it is, to be honest, because I listen to a lot of podcasts, as I know that you do. And I came across Peter Atia's work and became quite engrossed in it around about the same time that I was seeing and treating and doing some form of Pilates with like older groups of people. And Pilates as a form of exercise, I think is, is really, really good. Um, particularly reformer and machine-based Pilates, but correlating that to what I was doing in the sessions to what Peter Atia was saying was this ultimate form of exercise to help keep you fit, healthy and strong as you age was really quite different. And the mindset of the older population and the clinic owners and the other physios that I worked with is that once you got to a certain age, something like Pilates was great because you could do a little bit of light stretching. You could do some exercises that had a degree of resistance um, with them. It focused on core stability but realistically, there was no form of load. There was very little form of like progressive overload. Um, there was no form of cardiovascular fitness involved in it at all. And it really made me think, actually, yeah, Pilates is a great form of exercise, but people could do an awful lot more. And I just was learning lots more about it. Um, I was catching the train to work quite a lot when I was working in Wimbledon, having previously cycled a lot in London, listening to more and more of these podcasts. And it just really built up as an idea as to actually there's a lot more to this than you just having to get a bit older and accept that your physical conditioning is going to kind of diminish. Um, and it's, mm. yeah, it's kind of built from there. And now living in, in Bristol um, and working at a couple of different clinics, but one of the clinics in particular, uh, the owner of the clinic's got like a real interest in helping to try and build upon this and offer it as a service um, to help try and kind of educate people and hopefully give them a bit more information as to how they can be really fit, strong and healthy, even as we get a bit older. Yeah, absolutely. Because like I said, it's 
Pilates is a great entry, I think, for a lot of people who struggle to get into fitness and find that weights can be quite confronting or they don't feel like they're strong enough. I do feel like it's a really good entry level um, exercise to get into, but you can also maintain over time. But it does seem that a lot of the time when people enter into Pilates and you start getting better at it, it can be a situation where you get really comfortable doing it and therefore you remain in it. Because at the end of the session, like, because me and you used to do it every every once in a blue moon and um, have a laugh and try it on the reformer players <laughs> and have absolutely no idea what we're doing. But um, I do find like it's still has its place inside of a exercise regime for most people. But yeah, I do feel like there's definitely the next step afterwards is leaning more into, yeah, probably like resistance training program or like I said, trying to find something which has like a bit more of a cardiovascular component as well. So when yeah. you when you look, yeah, go on. I don't know. I, yeah, I agree. I, I mean, the most important thing to know that any form of exercise is better than no exercise. Um, and as I said, I, I think that Pilates is, is great, but uh, there is so much more to it in terms of having a good physically healthy body. And a lot of it is a mindset i think that people once they get to a certain age think that they just need to be doing yoga or pilates um and what i'd love to be able to change is that mindset and i think people like um peter atier and dr andy galpin and a few others are, are really leading the charge within that um but yeah there's there's so much more to it and pilates and yoga offer a lot in terms of core strength and stability but there are other components to having a physically healthy body that aren't, yeah, aren't addressed in those kind of realms of training. Yeah, absolutely. Because I do find like, yeah, like I said, a lot of time it comes down to a mindset of what has previously been experienced for most people and what they're physically able to do. And for a lot of people, if they do exactly like, you know, exist in a community where most people are quite sedentary, then it's going to be very easy to settle into that set or that sedentary lifestyle. So it is good, like I said, that you've got people out there who are kind of spreading the word and people who are, like I said, it was all like, I, I don't know how, do you know how old is Peter at here? Because he must be like in his 50s now. Yeah, I think he's in his 50s. Yeah. Yeah. Because he yeah. speaks a lot about his transition over time into what he portrays exercises as well. So I think it's good to have some of these role models out there. So what do you kind of see is like, what is it like if you, if you could speak to someone now about like the effects of them actually not doing exercise into the future, like what would that kind of look like for them? Um, well, for people who are inactive, you've got to, You've got to understand that there is some form of responsibility to living in this modern world of working from home, sitting at a desk for eight hours a day, being able to walk 500 meters to a shop down the road, not having to worry about like foraging or hunting in any way, spending no energy whatsoever, and then being able to just eat whatever you want at very little cost for a number of years and what will then happen with time is that if you're inactive you don't move you eat lots of processed foods is that over time you will 
put on a lot of weight, you'll develop metabolic issues, um, end up being potentially pre-diabetic and then diabetic at points. Um, later on in life, you can develop things like sarcopenia. You can have issues with bone density. Um, it's not, I wouldn't claim to know loads about it in terms of the mental health realms, but we're both very aware of as people who exercise a lot and work with um, with people in general that um, if you don't exercise and you don't move, that, that can have a massive effect on your mental health. So there are so many things that can happen to you from a health perspective if you aren't physically active. And as I say, that yeah, it really comes at a cost to living in this world, you currently do, where everything is just so accessible and so easy. And if you don't want to, you don't have to move. And and that's entirely your choice. But you do have to understand that that comes with that comes with consequences. Um that exercise can massively help to uh, not only mitigate against but exercise uh research has shown to prevent and also then lead to you having a much better life in general. So it's the the term longevity and Peter Atia talks about it a lot, which I really like, is doing longevity training isn't necessarily about living to be a hundred. It's not necessarily about expanding um your lifespan. It's about having a much better health span and much better quality of life, which exercise can ultimately do. So I think that lots of people, when they come across it, think that it's another one of these um, tools to help try and live to be 100, 110 or whatever. And it, in some capacity, it might. Um, but it's, it's from my perspective, and the thing that I'm much more interested in is about learning to create and help other people have a much better quality of life um, whilst they're around. Because, I mean, for me, it's always your health is the number one thing. Mm, yeah well it's 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 crazy because like well there's two things i want to touch on there's one which he met peter Atia mentions about the marginal decade i've noticed yeah. which is kind of last 10 years of your life where it's like i said it's like do you want to be spending time uh crippled in in a wheelchair or laying in bed for most of the day or do you want to be spending time playing with the grandkids and like i said kind of living life with higher quality towards the end but also on a personal for you like i feel like because you've you've done you know a good share of like endurance events and really push yourself in a lot of different training so i feel like a lot of your experiences that i've witnessed to you have witnessed you have along the way were actually you know some of the best experiences you've had were probably you training for something or like looking towards a big race because like you've done a couple of endurance races now haven't you yeah yeah so i've done a number of triathlons and then um or four marathons and like I did end up doing an ultra a couple of years ago um but I I think that my personally a huge interest of mine in this comes from the fact that at the age of 18 uh, I ended up having to have two operations in my lower back and prior to that I had two years of being in a huge amount of pain and not being able to play a sport that I loved and even having had the operations at points of really struggled with recovery and mobility and movement and all those kind of things. 
So from quite a young age, I already experienced what it's like to have a body that doesn't really work. <laughs> um, and I've had to work incredibly hard at getting myself to be in a position where I can do the things that I enjoy and love. And I wouldn't say that I'm anywhere near perfect with it. And I'm unsure as to whether I ever will. But I know that if I do work quite hard at certain things that I can certainly get myself to a level where I can do endurance events um, or even like play football with mates on a Monday night or play a bit of touch rugby if someone uh, someone needs like a player going. And from that, I yeah, I, I have a huge amount of empathy for people who are going through periods of chronic pain um and are struggling in terms of mobility injuries and so on and that has then yeah led to me wanting to help try and control and almost mitigate in as much as i possibly can um the decline of my capabilities as i age um so for me and yeah peter atia talks about that um final decade of your life what would you what would you like to to achieve i haven't necessarily written my goals down um specifically for that but i'm very aware of the fact that even now i want to maintain the level of physical fitness and strength to be able to do the things that i enjoy from a sport perspective but as i get older hopefully at some point i'll have kids i'd love to be able to run around with them um potentially even grandkids and I would, I would really like to be a part of this movement that kind of dismisses the fact that as you get older, you can't do those things. Mm. How bad was it back when it was at the, its worst when you were 18? Um, it was, yeah, it was really quite bad. I had nerve pain in both legs and my dad used to have to help me to put my socks on in the morning. Um I could yeah, couldn't really move. <laughs> um, that's, that's so shocking. It was it was pretty bad. Um, so I do, I definitely understand what people are going through. Um, when they experience pain like that and are in chronic pain, um, what I would and another part of being very interested in the longevity training is that working as a physio in clinic. I'm, I'm always seeing people who already have a problem and it's always almost a negative experience of people turning up. They're already in pain. What can be done to help try and resolve that? And I very much enjoy it, um, allowing or helping people in those situations and hopefully getting them back to their previous baseline. But with the longevity training, the aim would be to help try and prevent those kind of things happening. Um, and a very classic thing is you get in clinic is people who used to be able to do something, haven't done it for four or five years, and they're now in their late 40s, early 50s, and they try and play cricket for the first time in <laughs> uh, a number of years and sprint on the boundary and tear their hamstring really badly. <laughs> um it's it's those kind of things that if people were to strength train regularly and exercise regularly then um you'd still be able to continue doing those things without the risk of injury. 
Yeah, that's so true. Um, yeah, that's me trying to play touch footy still these days. <laughs> I actually played a bit of tennis on the weekend. I felt like a ball to grain. That's just I haven't played yeah. in so long, but I was like just getting so into it. That's it. But um, it's interesting we said because you see you see a lot of people who are already in that bar, uh, who are already in a lot of pain at the moment, right? So like they go to a point where they're they're pretty much told they're going to have to start making some dramatic changes and start turning around because ultimately they're in a in a place where they either can't really walk very well or whatever. But it made me think of this quote that I was, uh, when I was listening to Modern Wisdom, that uh, podcast um, by Chris Williamson, yeah. and he said that when you're forced to, if you lived a kilometre down the road from your local shop, you're probably going to walk there because it's only like 10 minutes, right? If you if you lived 2K away, you're probably going to drive and get there in five. So the whole idea is for a lot of people, we tend to live within that, say, 1K distance of actually getting things done where it's not bad enough that we have to drive. It's not far enough where they have to drive, but we also, um, it's it's inhibiting. So for a lot of us who just deal with, say, the niggles or happily to like, we'll kind of sit on our lounge most nights and relax and not do any training because we haven't been forced to either drive that distance or we haven't been hurt bad enough to actually go see a physio and start doing some proper work with it. It's it's I think a lot of us trying to kind of get really comfortable with the fact that we don't have to do too much right now and that that time to actually do the work may only arise in 20 years twenty years when things are deteriorated, deteriorated a lot more and it, things are getting quite serious. So no, no, how how do you kind of see it? Because how do you see it? Because you obviously see a lot of people who, like I said, are in pain, but like how do you reflect on those people who may not be experiencing much pain now, but you know they kind of need to make a difference. Yeah, it's uh, well, there are a couple of, a couple of points to that. Is the first is, <laughs> I think, particularly when we were both working together in that sports performance clinic in uh, in London, is that I used to not be able to relate to it in any tool and get quite frustrated frustrated by patients who would always say that they didn't have enough time to be able to do their physio work. Um, and I always used to be exceptionally judgmental of that as someone who <laughs> was in their like mid to late 20s, had no responsibility. And for work, I'd turn up to clinic, I'd leave, I'd never do any work outside of clinic because that's, what's, that's what the job allowed. And then all I do is train outside of that train and then go to the pub on a Saturday after I'd done training and like I mean we'd both trained for the marathon together and we trained ridiculous amount so I could never understand why people could never find the time to do stuff um to look after themselves whereas now getting a bit older like being self-employed having more responsibilities and so on I am much more empathetic of that but having kind of previously mentioned it, I think that your health at the end of the day is will always be for me, but I would like to try and encourage other people to have a little bit more importance in their lives. And you have to think of your health. I was thinking about it recently, almost a bit like pension. It's like for people who are employed every single month, they have a portion of their salary that is taken into a pension pot and they invest in it every single month. And the reason that they do that is because 
the day that they retire, they then end up having a pot of money that they're going to be able to live off. And you almost need to think about exercises that you exercising now is a bit like building that pension up for later on in life. Um, because if you've worked incredibly hard for 40, 45 years and you then end up having some money to be able to try and enjoy your life a little bit, but your physical state is in such a poor position that you can't actually do anything because you've got chronic pain in your back and neck from being sat at a desk for that long. Um, you've got knee pain, you've got arthritis in your hips, all those kind of things from not really moving then yeah, you're, you're just not going to be able to enjoy the later stages of your life. So as I said, a bit like a pension financially building up for that. The day that you retire, you almost need to think of exercise like that now. And we both know that the earlier you start exercise, the better, uh, really. And there's lots of research to suggest that if you exercise quite vigorously in the early stages of your life, it will have huge benefits later on in life. But that still doesn't mean that you can not exercise for 20 to 30 years. You can't just bank on the fact that you used to play rugby four times a week in your 20s is then going to be okay in your 60s. Um, it's all about just making sure that you're ticking things over and, and you're working and um, really trying to create some form of adaptation to different parts of physical health. Mm, yeah, not to mention banging 10 pints on a Saturday night when you're playing rugby as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely not a, ideal for the long term. All you can do that is the future. So, um, but I really like that analogy you've mentioned there or the metaphor about how it's about like putting the pension away. Because I find like it's it's very true. Like if you can put away just a couple hours every week into doing exercise and something that's physically um, challenging, then, yeah, by the time you get to pension age, you're going to have all the experience and all the physiological adaptations that come along with doing that time um, consistently. Because, like, it's a lot of things, like one of those things where, um, you know, just like when you're playing playing rugby, you know, like you, you smash all your training to two nights a week and then you go out on a Saturday and you put all your effort into it and then, and then ruin yourself afterwards. But... It's if you can't always do that throughout your life where you can't just, you know, you get to the age of 50 or 60 and you just start smashing all your training into as short period of time, then, you know, go as hard as you can and then expect that everything's going to be okay. Like a lot of the time the damage is already done. Like you you, you can still get yourself up to a, a better level, but most importantly, it's all about like the long, long-term the consistency that comes along with it. So I find that, yeah, that's a really great way of looking at it, where it's just about trying to put a little bit away every now and again and seeing where you can, what it kind of adds up to by a certain point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, I mean, as people get a little bit older, they're probably less involved in sport as such. So growing up, school, university, essentially playing for a club afterwards, it's normally around the time of your life where, you get to your kind of like early slash mid thirties, potentially getting married, having kids, don't have quite as much time, injuries crop up, body doesn't feel quite the same. So people stop playing sport. And then I think that for a lot of people who have been involved in sport, they then find it difficult to kind of transition and exercise by themselves. Um, and I mean, 
it's kind of all over the world, but things like trail running and triathlons and things like that are probably encouraging people to continue to do forms of exercise individually. Um, but you don't, you maybe don't get necessarily the same kind of buzz that you do from playing a team sport. Um, you obviously don't have that same kind of camaraderie by doing individual sports. Um, but it's, yeah, there are, there are loads and loads and loads of things that you can do and, it might not be quite as interesting and as fun as playing rugby or football with your mates on the weekend, but there are there are definitely still lots of things that can be. Yeah, no, that's a good point actually, because I do I do also think that where a lot of people go through the process of finishing their team sport and they go, Oh, my body's a bit banged up, like what can I do now? And they'll have a bit of a layoff period and they'll say, like, maybe not really get that motivated to go to the gym, or they, you know, don't have that regular cardio training they're going to get from rugby but it's not until probably a couple of years later where a lot of people turn towards endurance sports or triathlon because the biggest the most popular age group for a triathlon is between the ages of 40 and 45 45 and 50 so there's clearly yeah yeah there's clearly a lot of people who actually get into sport but if there are a lot of people, they probably finish their, their rugby or football or whatever career they're, they're doing cricket, you know, around the age of about 30 or if they're playing that long, maybe even early 20s. So there's still a bit of a layout, like a bit of a period between when they actually start, um, stop training for team sport and then start picking up endurance sport. But it is good. Like, I think I agree with what you said, like trying to find like some kind of community where you can um, go along for the ride and make it a bit more social. Because without that social aspect, like life is just so much harder. And to be fair, like when me and you were running laps in London when I was icy cold and snow yeah. was falling from the from the snow sky. On the track. Yeah. Oh mate. I don't think I could have done that without you. <laughs> so I can absolutely uh, empathize with it. Yeah. It's true though, isn't it? I mean, because we both grew up playing lots of team sport and um when we both were training for the marathon and we trained together a couple of times a week. I mean it's definitely the fittest I've ever been in terms of running and it's because we held each other accountable and you used to program the most disgusting sessions and I'd just be following you around the track <laughs> um did make me a lot quicker though yeah uh, great know, memories great close to the pace that we used to run yeah well what was it 4200 yeah. meters that was one of the sessions wasn't it yeah 40 times 200 meters starting every 200 meter on the one minute so trying to get there within like 38 to 36 to 40 seconds and then rest for 20 seconds and start again um yeah i think that was the best one we ever did and too fair mate but it makes you grow stronger <laughs> only, <laughs> only helps you <laughs> um yeah absolutely so that was um yeah definitely something that i think i've taken away always like try and do something which you can do with someone else because I, I just find like it's just the best way to actually get involved in something and then you know finding uh like you mentioned the trail running community i find like the running communities are always really quite tight together and they always try to hold each other accountable and make sure yeah. that what you're all doing together is actually um main well having fun but also trying to push each other the limits as well so a certain point yeah yeah absolutely um i think where i would like the longevity side of things to go if, if if there was no cap to it would be to create a 
space that people came to and they had a program that they needed to follow each week, which ticked off the different elements of having a physically healthy body, but creating a community around that. And if we can dive into what I think and what other people think are the uh, the necessities almost of having a physically healthy body. But if you could create a gym or a community space that allowed people to come in and get those things done whilst also meeting other people um, and like being able to have a coffee or whatever afterwards, I think would be, would be the ideal. And that's where I would love it to go at some point. Um, and also, yeah, I think that a lot of gym spaces now um, are very much about younger people who are trying to improve their performance, either for the sport that they're doing or just trying to aesthetically look a bit better, which there's no problem with that whatsoever. But I don't think that lots of gyms are particularly set up for the types of people that we're talking about now and who need it. Um, so, yeah, that's that's where I would, I would ultimately love it to go with um, and that would, yeah, encompass that community, community spirit. So, yeah, it's a brilliant idea. I really like that one. So, in saying that, like, what what boxes do you think that would be ticking for people who are looking into building a long, healthy relationship with their own body and mind? Uh, yeah. So the the main kind of areas that need to be so if, if you look at having a physically healthy body you need to have a very good muscular system you need to have a very good nervous system and then you need to have a very good like cardiovascular system and to have a strong and uh, effective muscular system you need to have muscle size and muscle strength and I get a lot of the time in clinic, um, particularly women, when I show them strength-based exercises um, in the gym, a lot of them will say, will this make me look bulky? And I try really hard to be professional in that situation and not laugh, but it's kind. it, all, it really, really surprises me that People think that by doing six weeks of single leg leg press that they're going to get massive quads. And I've tried incredibly hard in the gym for the last 15 years to have any form of muscle mass and still kind of struggling now. Um, <laughs> so when we talk about improving muscle size, I'm certainly not training any of my clients to be really bulky or look like bodybuilders. But having previously mentioned it brief, uh, briefly in the conversation about sarcopenia, which is essentially as you get older, the decrease in muscle mass and tissue that you have can lead to many issues. By doing regular resistance training, you can massively help mitigate against that. So having some form of muscular tissue in terms of size is very important. And it also has knock-on effects to your metabolic system because having decent sized muscle tissue can help to really control inflammation. Um, so that's important. Muscle strength is obviously key because if you want to be able to squat down and pick something up off the floor, or if you just want to put um, some shopping in one of the shelves in your kitchen and being able to press it overhead, that's key. 
picking up your grandkids, whatever it might be. So muscle strength is another side of it. From a nervous system perspective, this has a knock-on to physical and cognitive health, but your nervous system loves to be stimulated in a variety of different ways. And that's why if you can play any form of sport as you get a little bit older, that's key because it's unpredictable. So there's some quite interesting research around uh, people who play table tennis as they get older has a huge effect to them both cognitively and physically because it's unpredictable and you have to think about strategy whilst you're doing it and improves reflexes and all those kind of things that are very much linked to the nervous system. Um, And then the other component of your nervous system health is high force production. So being able to work close to your maximum effort and you can either do that externally with weight, um, which lots of people as they get a bit older become very concerned about injuries um, which is completely understandable, but there are very safe ways of doing that and getting close to those limits or internally. So in, internally creating that kind of force production through like running quickly, doing some form of jump or some form of like static isometric contraction um, is very important. And then the other being cardiovascular health. And there are yeah, two real components to that. The first of which is working at a moderate intensity, but for prolonged periods of time. Um, and then the other is like getting close to max heart rate based training, the VO2 max kind of work that um, we've already previously discussed that clip that you put up on uh, your Instagram. And if you can do those things within your training program and you can tuck on each of them on a weekly basis, then and you repeat that consistently for years and years and years, physically, your health is going to be in a very, very good position. Um, The only other slight element that you could potentially go alongside, which I think could really be included in other elements of your training, um, would just be like the stability and injury prevention component of being fit and healthy. And that's where something like Pilates or yoga or slightly more detailed strength-based training comes in. But um, that's something that I think that you only really need to kind of look and dive into if you do have long-standing based injuries. I don't think you need to be spending loads of time on stuff like that unless you have something that requires you to, particularly for time. If you're touching on all of the other things that it's going to help, hopefully help to mitigate injuries anyway, if you're programming it well, if you do have a long-standing injury or something within your training program is causing problems, then you might need to add some of that stuff in as well. Mm. So you mentioned this, there's like you're creating a very holistic approach to training the moment. So you're talking a lot about, like I said, the, the muscular strength and the size, the, the mobility, flexibility, the you know reflexes, the stability when it comes to um, practicing balance. It does sound like a lot at the moment, but is it really that complicated? Like, do we need to be putting in 10 sessions a week to hit all these points or can we do it in a lot less? Yeah, I mean, if you want to have this ultimate program of touching on all of them, it is going to take time. But it absolutely doesn't need to be 10 sessions split over the course of the week. And you can incorporate each of those segments into a session 
So if you were to only be able to train for three hours a week in each of those sessions, you would try and incorporate a small part of that. So say session number one, you start with some low intensity cardiovascular based work for half an hour on a static bike. You then step off the bike. You then go into some strength training for 10, 15 minutes. And then you do some stability work on top of that. You do some balance, you do some coordination. At the clinic in Bristol, we've got the blaze pods, those light pods that I also think that we had in, in London, which are very good for nervous system, unpredictability, reflexes, all those kind of things. Session number two, you do a relatively similar thing. And then session number three, you then do something that's maybe a little bit higher intensity. So you do power-based movements to start, including, say, some like little box jumps, some med ball throws, um, and then going on to doing, again, on the bike, some more VO2 max-based training, which is interval-based work. So you don't need to be separating them all and they don't have to be individual sessions. You can certainly mix and blend them if you're short of time. Having a mixture of those things is is really, really key. And I think that that's unfortunately where a lot of people go wrong is that they concentrate all of their efforts into certain areas. So like if you're doing a triathlon and you've got really into triathlon training, we both know that with that, you're going to be doing a lot of zone two moderate state-based training. You're going to be doing an occasional VO2 max-based training session depending upon the distance of your triathlon. And there is like obviously some skill element to running, cycling and swimming, but they're all repetitive skills. There's, yeah, there might be a degree of unpredictability to it, but they're normally skills and movement patterns that you've repeated over and over and over again. So you're probably not touching on the nervous system side of things from a skill element. You're certainly not getting close to that 80% one rep max kind of vibe in terms of force production. And you're certainly not touching on really the strength side of things from a, well, from a muscular system, you're not touching on, muscle size and like muscle loading really if you're if you've if you train very very well you might do that once a week um but again it depends upon the kind of volume and uh i man or like what size of triathlon that you're doing so sports like triathlons are great and as i said at the beginning any form of exercise is better than none but if you are training purely for triathlons then you're probably missing out half of what could be programmed in to make you um a better like physical athlete as such yeah because what i from both of us working in uh the sports clinic in london which was very endurance based it seems like a lot of endurance athletes are allergic to weights (laughs) which is a bit of an issue so yeah i agree so like so you like saying that if you want to start pushing into say above that 80% one rep max and actually start building some muscle size and strength, even though you're going to do all that cardio and train for the triathlon and get all those different sessions in, you still need to have an element of strength at least once a week to get that kind of stimulus in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Um, yeah. And I, so I still treat lots of, I don't treat quite as many triathletes as used to when we worked in London, uh, but I still treat quite a lot of runners. And yeah, as you say, lots of endurance athletes are almost allergic to strength work. Um, and it's, it's a battle that I constantly have with those types of people because uh, a lot of athletes in general really underestimate how strong you need to be to run and having a block of like eight to 12 weeks can really help um, the recovery from an injury, but also mitigate against it in the future. And by people doing lots of running and lots of triathlons and all of those kind of things is amazing. And if you're physically active, then that's, that's, that's the most important thing. But yeah, I'm just trying to discuss in a little bit more detail about if you want to be optimum and you want to be this very well-rounded athlete and human being that touches on all of the elements of what you can do to be as physically act, like strong and active as possible as you age, then having more variation than just training for a marathon or just training for a triathlon is 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 key. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's I think that's very um very well said. Um, if I wanted to add something onto that, as I said, for a lot of my clients, if they're if they have a family, I quite enjoy getting them to spend some time with the kids playing some sport because not only do you have that kind of neuromuscular or that you know reactive stimulus that you spoke about as something it also i think builds a bit of the um well not just connection with the family but also make sure that you get a bit of your heart rate up a bit higher and you start actually improving your health even while just having a good time doing it so it's amazing like what little things i think you can add into your schedule um, that doesn't have to be structured trained to actually get you to the goal that you want to have. But I think I think that was very well said about what we mentioned about how the kind of build out a training program and how to actually structure it. Um, and I think, yeah, you'd have some really good programs. What you're doing at the moment, it sounds like it's going really, really well. Um, well, that's that's something that I yeah, was going to ask you about is that I, what I think tier has done incredibly well and a few others is and you can tell it from his personality and his background is that he's very stats driven he's very very structured and he's the type of person that programs i think it's like eight hours worth of zone two based work he then has an hour's worth of vo2 max based training he programs three hours worth of strength training a week and it's exceptionally structured and nothing is going to get in the way of that but for the 99% of the other 99% of the population that's not going to work and something that I do think about occasionally and uh, do you know Rafe Kelly one of the parkour guys Um, he talks a lot about play and getting adults to try and play a little bit more as their like physical activity and it's something that as you grow older, it seems almost less appropriate for adults to play in some way and to be able to have enjoyment through doing different things. But I know that's something that you work on with your clients, isn't it? Um, and trying to make physical exercise less of a chore as such um, and more ingrained in kind of their daily lives. Yeah, absolutely. I do think that's one thing I try to bring in because – yeah, I do believe that there's definitely it's place to have structured exercise, but I do find that 
like I said, a lot of time it can be quite um, boring for a lot of people. And like, it's completely fine. Like someone's goal is not to be, you know, the best weightlifter in the world or anything like that. The goal is just to get a bit more active and to lose a little bit of weight and stay a bit more mentally sharp. And I do find like spending time uh, doing play and doing some more complicated movements, which may not have a direct goal to anything particular, but it actually gets them to find the exercise more engaging and yeah. gets them to have more fun doing it. Um, so, and especially like I've had a lot of my clients train with their kids and the kids can be other teenagers or they can be you know, younger, like up to, you know, down the age of 10 or 11. And a lot of the time we'll just have games where we're just doing like one-on-one like reactive drills or, um, you know, just trying to do a few different things like bouncing, catching, all that kind of stuff. Like it's it's all working on these, these stimuluses that you mentioned in terms of like stability and getting the reactive um, training and a whole bunch of other things, building that connection with one, one another. But yeah, a lot of the time it's just about just trying to get yourself engaged and actually turn up because you can write a, the most amazing program in the world, but if someone's not that interested in it, they're probably not going to do it very well. So I do find like it's a really big part of, actually getting some to do it is to make sure that they want to turn up and i think what you mentioned previously about having like that say like a longevity program where it gets people as a part of a community and they can you know make it a bit social and have it more engaging is like a really really great idea and i'd love to see what you can do with that yeah and also i think elements of like competitiveness in it as well would be would be quite quite a good thing we know both know that that can be quite engaging too, even with like the blaze pods and things like that. I thought about how you could get people to do exactly the same uh, grill on it and then have a leaderboard of like do it and in a very safe way, you're making it slightly competitive. But um, yeah, as you say, I think it's about trying to find this mix of targeting those areas that we know are going to make you physically um, more healthy, more active, but matching it to people's personalities. Because, I mean, if if going back to some of the high-level triathletes that we used to work with in London, they're so A-type in terms of their personality that you could write them this, this perfect program and they would follow it to an absolute T if that's what they decided they were then going to work on. But for some people, that's not the case at all. And you, you do need to, to have some form of engagement through play, through competitiveness, through a community to, to get them more involved in that. And I, I really don't want this to be a like very select group of people. Um, it, it would be much better if it, it appeals to the masses a little bit more because we both know that for almost any leading nation in the world, uh, obesity, health conditions, all these kind of things are, are massively rising. And exercise, it seems, is a great way of controlling that um, and getting people to be a bit healthier and a bit happier. Mm, mm, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Well, it'll be exciting to see kind of what happens over the next uh, decade or two with all this new information coming out and you know us trying to make a real difference in the world in terms of creating these long-term approaches to training rather than a quick six-week program and actually getting people to think long-term about it and yeah someone like yourself who's 
quite young to think about this kind of stuff. I think it's it's come from a place where you've obviously had like a lot of pain and seeing what it's like to be quite crippled by something and not being able to live your life before. So now a position where you actually built yourself up quite a lot and now you're looking towards to help others. I think it's very, very notable and wise. Yeah, well, it's uh, going through it at the time is is never easy, but I suppose you learn you learn from everything in life, don't you? And um, I think that having got slightly older and potentially being a little bit less competitive, and uh, I know that in the past all I cared about was being able to run five <laughs> k at a certain pace or being quicker than any of my mates on a rugby pitch or being able to lift a certain weight and those kind of things. And my mindset, I think a lot down to listening to Peter Atier and then also reflecting on my own injuries and so on. The most important thing for me now is that I can continue to be physically active for as long as I possibly can. And the research and everything that's coming out at the moment um, seems to suggest that that's exceptionally positive. Um, but the sooner that you can do it and learn how to train well with those things, uh, the better it will be. So, yeah, hopefully if we can help out a few people along the way as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this this last question I always ask everyone towards the end of the interview, but you, you possibly already mentioned it, but I'll go through it anyway. But what was something that stuck out to you personally growing up in your family that you'd love to pass on to your kids, nieces, nephews and the next generation? For me, it will be my mum running marathons when I was growing up um, has without a doubt been an amazing example of the fact that as a person, as long as you train hard and you train consistently and you have a goal, then you can you can be in a really good position and my mum definitely inspired me and showed me that you can enjoy your life, but you can also work really hard towards something. And um, her kind of dedication to running when I was, yeah, in my early to kind of mid-teens definitely set a huge example of the fact that if you want to achieve something through exercise, then you've got to work hard for it. Um, and I didn't like, I didn't really know any other parents that ran marathons or trained like my mum did. So it was, yeah, it was definitely a huge example to me. Um, and, uh, definitely gave me the motivation to kind of like take on challenges like that. So uh, what I would really, really like to be able to do is, uh, kind of set those examples for any kids that I might have in the future and grandkids and so on. And, uh, yeah, I really like the phrase um being a badass 90 year old so if i could get to get to that age and still uh still be uh strong as an ox and really fit then that would be great i'm sure you will um but yeah very inspiring love love that didn't know that about your mum but your mum but um that's yeah very very inspiring so good on you mrs parford <laughs> love it. um thanks for jumping on today Alex, uh, it's, it's a pleasure. It's good to pick your brain. And every every time I chat with you, it's, you know, I always learn something new. So thanks for jumping on. Oh, thanks very much for having me on, mate. Always a pleasure. And now for my closing remarks, 
What a great episode. I really, really loved all of it. I think it was really great. I really enjoyed how he spoke about how he kind of broke things down. So it doesn't matter what part of life you're in or where, where you think you're heading, we can always find something for you and find the best way to achieve the goals that you want with what we have. So I really liked the way he was very compassionate about it, everything. And we spoke about how there are everyone comes from different circumstances and it's really important to make sure that we appreciate that and wherever whatever journey, part of the journey someone is in. And it's really incredible to see because he's gone through a lot of different stages in his life too. Alex has gone through different stages where he's had lots of injuries and had struggled with that. He's tried many different different sports. And at the end of the day, a lot of time comes that drives inspiration. And like I said at the end there, his mum was a big inspiration for him. And I would just love for you, the listener, to be that kind of person for your kids or the future generation. It's all really important. And I would love to see more of us having this kind of attitude to our life. So top episode again, really, really loved it. And I look forward to seeing what Alex does in this space for the future. Until next time.